This is the Journey 66 Book Writing Podcast. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are your road trip advisors. You may be at mile marker one and just thinking about an idea for a book, or maybe you've gone off-road in your writing and you want to restart the journey. Join Dave and me as we help you buckle up and write. You don't wake up one morning and start writing a book. Usually the idea has sat with you for years and sitting with that idea are some deep insecurities that whisper or scream, you don't have what it takes to write a book. Add to that life circumstances like job changes, raising kids, moving, and the timing never feels quite right. Your idea may persist and your dream likely continues to live deep inside of you, but you save the writing for another day or maybe even another 10 years. In today's podcast, Dave and I are interviewing Elisa Clark, a lifestyle and storyteller photographer with a special interest in the refugee crisis and welcoming people on the fringes into community. For years, Elisa, a regular blogger, has thought she had a book in her, but it wasn't until recently that she declared, I am going to write a book and actually started writing. Alisa, welcome. We are so excited to hear about your journey to this moment and what you are most excited about and nervous moving forward. Thank you. I know you personally, so I know a little bit of this story, but give us a little bit of background about when you first thought you should write a book and how did that idea change through the years? I think I've always had a book in me somewhere. I've There's been a dream. I From the time I was a little kid, I was a reader and I love stories. And so... I think I've known for a long time that somewhere in me there was going to be a book, but I wasn't sure what that would look like. And quite frankly, I knew it would be a ton of work to do. So I had kind of kept putting it off and wasn't sure when or what to write. So um, it wasn't until recent months where I knew, I think this is time. Yeah. So tell me about those moments in your life when the idea of writing a book was most salient or most profound, like you thought you got excited the most about it. I think I get most excited about writing when I'm in something. And so when something's really hard, I find that's how I process. That's how I figure out what I'm thinking and feeling is by writing. And so I felt like, boy, if I'm going through something hard, maybe this could help somebody else. And so you often did that through blogging. You've been a blogger for as long as I've known you. Yeah, I started blogging, I think, when the kids were really little. I found um, mothering of little kids really, really hard. Um, the mundane of it, just the, it was exhausting. And so again, that was kind of, that gave me something to, that gave me purpose. It gave me something to do. It gave me an outlet, a creative outlet. And so I just tiptoed into that. Did you find over the years that your writing improved with blogging regularly? I'm curious because so many people start to write a book and they've never even blogged before. And it's so interesting to me that when you write regularly, at least in my own life, you become a better writer. So I was wondering if you saw that in your own personal life. hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like the more I wrote, the more I figured out my style or what I sounded like, I guess they call that voice. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I think for sure, the more I write, the better I feel. So you are a lifestyle photographer. Is that how you frame it? Yeah. Yep. Storytelling photographer. So tell me a little bit about your work and perhaps maybe how you have observed in your work and maybe any of that has contributed to your thinking about writing. So when I take photos, I'm 
always looking for the emotion, the story behind the photo. I think a lot of people can take a pretty photo, but I want to know what's going on, the why behind the image and what's the emotion, the feelings, the story. And so when I'm taking photos, that's that's what I'm looking for. And so when I when I started my blogging journey, actually, I wanted to sort of tell the story of my life as it was unfolding. Kind of the little things of life was actually the name of my blog. And that started with just putting photos and words together to paint the picture of what's going on just in the daily life of a mom in Chicago. Another key component of your blog is um, just about people who take in orphans, people who take in refugees. And I know that part of your lifestyle and storytelling photography is capturing those moments. Mm. Those are my favorite moments, really, to capture. So tell about your most favorite moment, like one that stands out that you captured. I think one of my favorite times was in the recent years, a friend of mine, they they adopted a child from India. And I was asked to be at the airport because their own children, the children that they had here in America, hadn't met this their new sibling yet. And so, and no one had except the mom and dad that went to get this child. And so I got to be at the airport capturing that first time that grandma and grandpa got to meet their new grandbaby and that older brothers got to meet their new sister. And to just be a fly on the wall and capture that unfolding and to tell that story of the beauty of adoption. And there's lots of pain in adoption as well, but the beauty of that. What strikes me about the way you approach taking pictures is that you're really in tune to the emotion. And I think that makes you an incredible observer. Mm -hmm. And you ask a lot of questions, which I think is probably what's going to make you a great storyteller in writing. Right, Dave? Isn't that that true? The more you observe, we talk about this component of writing, you really have to become an excellent observer of life. I think that's true because you can't experience everything. So you can't write out of your experience all the time. You have to be observing as well as researching different things. I was just reading in Anne Lamott's book, uh, Bird by Bird, and she describes she wanted to do a novel in which a garden played a really central role, but she she tells how she's a horrible gardener. So she <laughs> went to a local nursery and had this guy describe to her what the garden would look like in summer, and then she would call him up in the fall and say, okay, so what's happening now to the fruit trees? So I think observation is one of the key pieces uh, of learning how to write really well. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that resonates. I know, like even for example, that airport scene, while the new child and the mom and were meeting the siblings, I was out of the corner of my eye watching grandma, and she was starting to cry and catching that moment because I was aware of all that was going around. And so I think there's a a gift in observing. Let's talk about where you are today. You've decided to write a book, but first I want to hear about what held you back all those years. I know you had small kids. What else held you back, or was that the primary thing that held you back? I think there are a lot of things that held me back. Uh, I was nervous, like, what do I have to add? What, what words could I possibly say that haven't already been said? There's always the thought of feeling like I'm going to fail. Like, what if I don't actually pull this off? What if a publisher doesn't want my words? I think I, it's scary to kind of hold this part of your heart in your hand and then send it out into the world. Like, 
what if people are mean? I don't like it. And so I think there's just a lot of insecurities. I, the funny thing is when I went to college, I grew up in Canada and I came down to the States for university and we got placed in an English class because I didn't take the SAT. And I was placed in the lowest level English class because I bombed the grammar part. And so in my mind, I have always thought I could never write because I I failed, or didn't fail, but I was in the lowest English class. And so there was just, you know, you, ble- you start to believe the lies that you've been told or you think. Um, and so lots of struggles. Yeah, lots of struggles. So can you tell us what you're writing about? Do you feel comfortable revealing that here on the Journey 66 book writing podcast? <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so I am writing a book. I haven't titled it yet, and I know that that's obviously something that's up for grabs anyway, even if I titled it. So um, I'm I'm calling it The Welcome Project. That's just the space I'm holding for it. And I basically want to just share stories of an ordinary gal like myself and my family and how we came alongside others and moved from a life of like occasional hospitality to living a life of welcome and what that looks like, inviting the refugee in, the homeless, the ex-con, the illegal immigrant, you name it. Just what does that look like to just be ordinary people welcoming others into your life? I've been in communication with you through this process, so I know that you had a lot of books in you. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. So how did you narrow it to this one idea? Because I think a lot of us have ideas, and we probably could go in any one of many directions. So how did you narrow that idea? And was that always the one that you wanted to write or was there one that you wanted to write? Ah, that's a good question. So that has always been the idea that I felt most compelled to write about, but I wasn't sure. Um, And that actually was one of the big struggles. Like I have actually struggled with committing to writing because I didn't have a clue what I'd write about because I had a million different ideas. Mm -hmm. And so it was actually in sitting down with you, Melissa, where we sat across from the table from each other and I kind of just poured out my heart and said, these are my ideas, but you're in the industry. You, I want your advice and I'd want your honest critique about it. When did you cross the Rubicon, so to speak, when you moved from, I want to write a book to all right, it's a fait accompli, meaning <laughs> I'm doing it. So when did when did you cross it? Mm. And do you recall how you crossed that that big chasm <laughs> to I'm going to write a book to I am writing a book? This spring, I felt this bubbling up. Like I said earlier, I've wanted to write a book for a long time. I felt like that was in me, but I didn't know what, when that would be. And I've actually had a real peace about it. Like I was holding it pretty loosely if it happens it happens and if it doesn't it doesn't this spring there was this sort of this rumbling in my spirit and so over the spring and summer I started being intentional about writing 20 minutes a day just kind of like if you want to be a writer you got to write that's what I kept hearing and so I started doing that and so this fall I just my spirit I just kind of knew like it's time I I have the space in my life I have the desire I'm willing now to do the hard work I know it's going to be hard work and I'm I'm committed now and it just and then sitting across from Melissa it was like it's time I can do this I will do this yeah yeah totally it was the shift mindset shift so tell us about one of your welcoming experiences as a family that may end up in your book there's a lady I'm gonna refrain from using her real name because I haven't 
gotten her permission, but there was a homeless lady that we started going to the homeless shelter on Chicago's west side. My daughter showed an interest in that, and so we were like, all right, then let's start going. And so we started, and we met this lady. I'll call her Jenny for lack of a better name. And eventually through those visits, we invited her to our home and um, she kept canceling on us at the last minute. And it finally came out that she was, she'd never been in a white person's home and she was scared. She didn't know what that was going to be like. So we, I went and she finally agreed and we went, I went and picked her up at her, at where she was staying and she got in the car and she was so nervous and I just started, we just started laughing. I was like, Jenny, we're, we're just normal people. We're just like you. We serve food and you, you're going to help me in the kitchen and it'll be fine. And so she came and we had an amazing night. It was the first time she had ever been in someone's home that wasn't her ethnicity. And we kind of learned one of those main lessons that we've learned over and over again. People are people. And kids break down the barrier of nerves and laughter is a beautiful gift. And it just became this beautiful night. All we did was open up her house. I think we had hot dogs and maybe hamburgers. Like it wasn't rocket science. We didn't feed an elaborate meal. We just sat around the table and laughed. You have tons of stories like this lots yeah (laughs) lots of stories and in our conversations together one of those days when we sat across from each other I encourage you to start recalling them and putting them in buckets so that you know what the big ideas are that you want to share with your with your readers so have you where are you in that process yeah so that actually has been great advice I remember you and Dave actually this spring when we were when we met you said that start making documents are just a simple word document and make a bucket for these different stories. So I'm doing that. I'm in the middle of that. Uh, last weekend I sat down and papers all over the table and I just started mapping out what are the stories and what, what are kind of the big ideas that I learned from each of those stories and then now weaving those together. But so I'm in the initial, I'm a baby at this. I'm in the initial stages, but I'm excited. What have you observed from perhaps conversations you've had with other people who aspire to do this, or maybe they fear doing this. Maybe, maybe this is the question. What's the fear that people have of being welcoming and inviting, say, a homeless person like Jenny to their home? They've never done it before, so they're nervous of what that experience might end up like. And it can be messy, I'll be honest. There are some messy parts when you welcome the other in, those maybe that are on the margins or the edges of society. But I, I hear often, well, but I don't, my house isn't big enough or I don't, I'm not a good cook or like just kind of, we just all come up with our excuses because it's scary. It's scary to invite the other into our lives. Um, maybe we feel inadequate. Maybe we don't feel like we have what it takes. And I guess I just, my message is we're, we're all just ordinary people and it doesn't take a whole lot. I can affirm Elisa in this. I'm one of those people who is more fearful, lacks courage, but I was friends with her. This is probably about 10 years ago. And she was sharing these stories um, in small groups and in settings where we were together. And I had an experience where I noticed a homeless woman week Mm -hmm. after week and we actually brought her into our home and it was because of Mm -hmm. the stories that you shared. So Mm -hmm. I believe in this book 100% because Mm -hmm. I think if it moved me to action, that was years ago and I haven't done much with it since, (laughs) I really believe that it can move other people to action. Mm -hmm. That reminds me, uh, it was about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, 
uh, it was snowing outside, and we were about to go to a funeral of a 13-year-old boy who had died in our church. It was snowing out, and there was somebody coming down our street asking if they could shovel our, our walk. Hmm. So we did, and I said, okay. And it was he said, I'm homeless, I'm out of money. He, his wife was also in the truck. So he came out, shoveled our tiny little driveway, and I think I gave him 25 bucks. And then we went to the, the funeral, came back, and next thing you know, he was knocking on our door again. Hmm. And it creates all this fear. Hmm. So long story, we had this relationship about two or three weeks. It was winter time. We ended up helping him buy a car, and I gave him some clothes that I had. And he had been in prison, and and had just gotten out and and we actually had him and his wife in our home one night mm. and we had all this fear like what are we doing we've got three kids and and i'm not saying we made a good choice but at some point the relationship ended he went away and we've never seen him again mm. that's one of the realities of it. it doesn't always end up wrapped up in a pretty little bow but you never know what impact you had in those two weeks and i would argue that probably it was the right thing for you to do because you did it Here's an idea for your book. Okay. The, the element of his story that struck me the most is, I'm not sure if we did the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what holds people back. And ultimately, you have to say, it might not be the right thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I love that. We always talk about what is the tension, the kind of the meta tension in the book. And I think for me, as I listen to this, it's... There are several things. One is, one tension is, am I doing the right thing and am I putting my family at risk? That's one thing. And the other thing that strikes me when you're talking about putting it into a pretty little bow, I think managing my expectations that that's not the goal. The goal isn't to put this into a tiny little bow and be the heroic suburban guy or suburban family that saves the world, right? Mm Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, ultimately, it's not about us, right? I've spoken with you quite a bit about this journey. And previously, you had looked into other um, communities to help you like get further along in the process. Did you ever go to any conferences? Or what's the value of kind of getting yourself into a type of community where you identify with other writers? There is huge value in that. I haven't actually gone to a writer's conference again. I'm really in the infancy stages of all of this. And with COVID, I think my goal was this fall or winter to try to get to an actual conference, but that's not happening. So um, I took one class this spring and, and then I just signed up for your course this week. And I'm super excited about that. So are we. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so you mentioned the writing 20 minutes a day. So talk about the benefit of that and how have you seen progress? And also what happens when you think, I don't have anything to write today? I think it's a huge benefit because I went from an idea in my head, like I want to write someday, I want to write someday. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, then I have to write. So I started out with 20 minute chunks of time every day. I just kind of made that commitment. Like I can do anything for 20 minutes. And what I found was, Often I was writing longer than that because I would get on a roll and I would an idea would come to me. Yeah, as far as what would happen when the ideas didn't come, I think I just would push through and I treated it more like I was journaling and like, what am I thinking? I kind of gave myself, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I sensing right now? And just started writing. 
So I'm reading a book by Julia Cameron, The Right to Write, and they're short little chapters. And at the end, she gives this challenge to write because I think her whole premise is you got to write if you want to be a writer. And so that's, I just kind of gave myself those little challenges and they were random, but it got me writing, which then inspired me to write more and inspired me to dream about what could this book actually look like. Do you have any profound insights when you do these 20 minute writings? Like, wow, I'd never have articulated that idea in that way before. Yeah, actually just this last week I was writing, I went for a drive through a forest preserve and then I sat knowing I was going to write. That was, I had given myself that chunk of time. And in that moment, I remembered a story that I had 100% forgotten. It was about this connection I had made with this inner city girl and how she ended up coming to Canada for Christmas with uh, with me for two weeks or whatever it was to see my mom and dad. And that kind of triggered this whole backtracking of, okay, this didn't just happen in the last 15 years when I had a family. I was living, I was attempting to live this life of welcome even as a 20-something single gal. And so it kind of bridged this I don't know, it was just an aha moment like, okay, maybe this is more core of who I am than I even thought it was. Now you have more of a framework to wrap it around. Yes. Wrap that around. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So where do you think you are right now? 10% done, 20% done. I know that's such a lousy question to ask you, but <laughs> we're in your head. I've made quite a bit of progress. I would say I'm at the blank. Mm. And maybe it's not just looking at writing the book, but the whole entire process of writing a book. Yeah, I think that's, Melissa, kind of where I am. I feel like I'm probably, for me, one of the biggest hangups was getting my head around what is the structure of this going to be? What kind of book am I going to write? What does this even look like? Because I'm such a novice. And so I've put a ton of time up till now uh, figuring out some of that piece of the puzzle. So I would say I'm probably 20% in overall, but I haven't written much toward my actual book. But for me, I feel like the words are going to flow once I get ready to start, which is actually coming on Monday. November 2nd is my start day for really, really writing. Although I've written bits and pieces, but I felt like I needed the month of October to wrap my head around the logistics and the structure and the organizing it in my head. So you are making an announcement to your email list, which you've been building through your blogging. Yes. So talk a little bit about that. Is that one part accountability, one part getting people excited? How are you thinking about that? I think it's for sure the accountability piece. I somehow, how I'm wired, I work best when I have people knowing that I'm on the journey because I can talk myself out of anything. So knowing that I've got people there is huge accountability. I think the other piece, all that I'm learning about writing a book is this whole idea of building a platform. And so for me, a huge piece of the building the email list is starting that process early because I don't want to be scrambling whenever it becomes time where I have to all of a sudden produce a platform. So I feel like I'm just being strategic and doing that really early on. Wow, I think that's a wrap. Do you have anything else that you want to add, Melissa? Actually, I do. Uh. <laughs> So when you were asking me for my opinion on this email announcement, I thought it was perfectly written. I suggested to you that you might use it as a way 
to invite other people to tell their own stories in welcoming people or being afraid to welcome people. Have you figured out how you're going to do that? I thought that was great insight, actually, because that has been part of my struggle. Like, I don't want this just to be about me and my family. Like, I think lots of people are doing this really well. So I want to incorporate those stories too. So when you said that, it made me realize like, I really do have to figure out a way to engage other people in the dialogue to do the research piece of my book too. And so I have, I have started a private Facebook group where I want it to be basically just dialogue and dialoguing about the welcoming project concept and what that looks like, the struggles, the the hesitations, the fears, the joys of all of that. And so I haven't, I'll be rolling that out December 1st because I want to really wrap my head around it, but that, that I'm planning to do. You are everything that we look at in a writer as far as doing it right. Aww. You've done the legwork, you've started to think about structure and thesis, you've gotten feedback, you're thinking about your platform, mm -hmm. you're thinking about the research component, all these things that we, we really encourage writers, authors to do, you're doing. So I have just a huge amount of confidence that mm -hmm. this is going to be an incredible book. I agree. I think you are so far down the road. I, mm -hmm. I would say you're farther than 20% because it's not just mm -hmm. the writing and it, it's the it's writing, publishing, and promotion. And thinking about the promotion first, building your list, announcing it to your list, the accountability, I think it's genius. Mm, absolutely. Well, that's super kind of you both. And I will say it started here in this office back in June when we had that little conversation after a photo shoot where you both just encouraged me to like start writing down your ideas, get your buckets, figure out what your lessons you learned. So I feel like... You guys have been instrumental in that. Thank you. That's awesome. So will you come back maybe when you're at the 50% mark and talk with us again? Yes, I'd love that. And also when you're really famous and you're coming <laughs> back to Dane to have a conversation with us. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> My son asked me this morning, when you get really famous, can you buy me Chipotle every day? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That, that does... Raise one more question. Sorry, Dave. No problem. No, no, no. I just died on one. Sure, the interview is over. The other thing that I wanted to ask you is, what is your hope for this book? Is it to be famous, or what? What ultimately do you want this book to do? Yeah, that's honestly, it's not to be famous. Truly, I've, I've, you know, when you go through a season of life where you keep everywhere you look or you listen, you hear a word, and that word has been humble the last few months. Like every, I open a book and there's talks about humility or I listen to a podcast and it talks about humility. And so it isn't to be famous for sure. But I actually, I want to, I want to compel others to take their first step of, or their next step to be engaged, to advocate, to be a light, to use, like to be welcoming because I think it makes a, a tremendous impact if we're just willing to welcome someone into our home, into our life, into our family. So I want it to be, I want it to be inspiring. Okay, so I have one last question. Okay. <laughs> so how has it changed you? How has being welcoming changed you or changed your family? Hmm. I think it's a journey. I think it has put, um, instead of an issue like the global refugee crisis, it has put a face and a person to that crisis, and it has made me uh, 
more willing to advocate, more willing to stand up for what's right, more willing to empathize. I think it's given me courage that I wouldn't have had because I think I would have put that in a box like, oh, the global refugee crisis or homelessness. But now that I have a face and someone that I love that's that represents that. Yes, represents that. It gives me a whole new outlook on that. And I feel like the same for our kids, my family. I think we're different people. I really do. Because we've just said, all right, our home is your home. You're welcome to our mess. Our <laughs> um, hot dogs. Our hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Although Maddie would be horrified. We don't do hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that's a wrap. I think you're right. All right. Thank you. I'm Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write.